0: discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code ABSURDITY at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there.
1: Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to Absurdity. I know I sound differently. It's actually because I uh, my New Year's resolution for 2019 was to pick up smoking, and I've decided to jump right in, and so I'm a two-pack-a-dayer right now. No, actually, I got sick the first week of uh of the new year and as a result of being sick my voice is shot so i'm going to sound a little bit different this episode but bear with us tony happy new year man how you doing
0: happy new year bro i'm good i'm good um really relaxing christmas so that helps a lot
1: there you go that is the exact opposite of mine so yeah
0: yeah i kind of felt bad because um Yeah, we were getting like live kind of feeds of each other's holidays, and I was like, oh, Becker, I'm sorry, buddy, like, (laughs) (laughs) beyond beyond the cat stalking you, that was hilarious, by the way, that was, that had to be one of the, oh, yeah, we had,
1: oh, that was hilarious, there were, there were three highlights of the holidays, one was my clapbacks day of December, uh, two was, uh, which if you don't know every month or two months, I, I go on Instagram stories and I do, uh, clapbacks and people can sign up and I will insult you, uh, for free for free and for free, all you guys, have to do, have to do is DM me. Uh, yeah, it's pretty great. So uh, just to be on the look out you for that.
0: Like 25 bucks to go to a comedy routine, you know, like a store, you got to drive, yeah. find parking, you get it for free from Becker. Look at that. How, how awesome. Or you is can
1: that. just become a patron. And get roasted whenever you want. Uh, Because if you give me money, I'll do whatever you say. So (laughs) that's how I live my life. Um, Actually, speaking of Patreon, so big announcements for Patreon. Uh, My patrons already know this, but uh, we are doing two new things for patrons this year. I actually looked into some Patreon rewards and what we could do and what we can manage. Um, And I actually found out that this is like, this is a good thing to do. So we're going to start doing it. Uh, first of all, because you've noticed we have an advertisement and occasionally we've had two or three on here. Uh, if you become a patron at all levels, one dollar or more, because uh, one dollar is the, slow, the the least you can give, uh, you will be given a direct RSS feed link that will give you an ad-free experience on this podcast. So every episode, starting with this episode, will also be posted to Patreon with no ads. The second great thing that is coming to our Patreon is every patron that is $5 or more will start receiving bonus episodes and interviews. We already actually have one interview in the bag, and uh, some of that bonus content will be in the form of seminars or uh, presentations that Tony and I do, uh, whether that's separate or together, if that ever come, if that day ever comes, uh, that we do something together. But um, so it'll be bonus content exclusive to Patreon. So you are uh, more than welcome to check that out, but that'll come at the moment, it's going to be about once a month. Uh, we're hoping to up that as time goes on. And the last thing that I want to mention here is that in about two weeks time ish, Um, that timeline isn't guaranteed, but we will be announcing something huge. It is something completely unrelated to podcasting that I am working on. And so, uh, we are almost ready to launch that. We're in the final kind of phases of everything. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. But Tony, I have something to tell you that I've been dying to tell you about for like two weeks and I keep forgetting, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, someone who is like a father figure to us, but I don't want you to say whose the name is because he's going to be a guest on the show soon. But he has been a father figure to us. Texted me recently a picture of you and Post Malone side by side. And then he said, never let Tony get face tattoos. So, so Tony. Oh my gosh. If if your career in ministry and podcasting ever fails, just know you can go into business as a full-time Post Malone impersonator. First of all, first of all, first of all, I
0: would be a rapper before I would impersonate Post Malone. Okay? Second hey, Post of Post Malone is legitimately talented. No, I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like I would come up with my own style before I would try to emulate him cuz he has a legitimate style. Like I could I could do I could beat Mo Bamba right now. Like if you've heard Mo Bamba, I can top that off the top of my head. So, number 1, number 2, um Yeah, I don't do face tattoos. I don't do needles. I don't do needles anywhere near my body, but if someone came at my face with a needle, I would throat punch them out of just instinct. I would feel really bad. I just, quack, I am so sorry.
1: Man, right now if an ultra conservative has even made it through the first 5 minutes of this podcast there. <laughs> we opened with a with a line about smoking and then we've gone to complimenting Post Malone to then you Throwing talking sh- about throat punching someone out of instinct. Yeah, well, I love this podcast I, so I much. Up,
0: and now I know genetically why that is because my parents both did 23 and me, so I've found out how white I am. So, oh, I you thought see, you were gonna say white, that throat actually. punching
1: was your family's version of a chonkla. Makes sense. That's what I was
0: most of most of my re- family comes from white places.
1: I really thought you were gonna say that throat punching was your family's version of the chonkla just now. That's what I thought you were saying. Oh, no, no, say. no.
0: The chonkla is still our version. Like, there's culture and then there's like genetics. Like, culturally, my family's pretty much Hispanic um, or, or Latin. Uh, but yeah, no, like, genetically, we're from. Germanic countries and a lot of. I was waiting Scotland if you should be Maryland like, but, but
1: but genetically we're all Russian, yeah. so we're pretty just... much
0: we're pretty much straight uh comrade. No, no Russian, no Asian at all, no Asian nice. at all. um I'm eight percent African. I found out mostly West Africa, Cameroon, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, like all that. Um, and what was it like? It was like twenty one percent Italian. I don't even remember the rest but yeah like like 60% of it was just like straight viking germanic english like anywhere the vikings sailed or settled that's pretty much where we were Gotcha
1: okay fair enough um I hope I never do the 23 and me because I really there's a specific reason that I can't share on this podcast why it's very important that I remain half Cuban half German in my mind so we're going to we're going to leave it at that um but uh, Tony, I think we're going to hit it in record time, two minutes normally, or two minutes slower than we normally do, or quicker, sorry, two minutes quicker than we yeah. normally do, but we're going to get right into today's topic because it is the new year. Um, so a few weeks ago, Tony sent me, not even, it was like a week ago or so, uh, you sent me, on you DM'd me on Twitter an idea for a podcast, yeah. and this is it, um, and it was actually, and we're going to put this in the show notes, I'm going to go back and find it, but it was actually a the short lead, Vice documentary. Yeah, uh, there's a short Vice documentary on pastors, not Adventist pastors, but just pastors in general, who have since left the faith and what they're doing now. And it shared uh, some pastors who are doing something completely different now. And then it also shared, um, of like one pastor, uh, she is an atheist, she's openly atheist, and she's still pastoring her church. She worked it out with the denomination, and she's still pastoring her church as an atheist. Um, which is going to make some listeners really uncomfortable. I apologize for, to you for a majority um, of reasons. Yeah, no, I like. I'm not. I I don't like. She's this a, a very,
0: pastor, and yeah, She's yeah. an atheist. No, we,
1: um, and she's not Adventist. And she's not Adventist. Um, like, no, well, but
0: that's but the big three.
1: I I say that. Um, I say that because uh, this actually got me thinking a lot because. Um, Actually, uh, a few months ago, I was walking my dog, it was before I moved. um, I was walking my dog and I actually found Ryan Bell's podcast. And if you don't know who Ryan Bell is, he was the Adventist famous pastor who uh, was pastoring in the Hollywood Seventh-day Adventist Church. He took a year of atheism, a year to live life as an atheist. And uh, somewhere in the middle of that journey, he ended up actually becoming an atheist and forgoing his belief in God, quitting pastoring, all that. And he has a podcast called Life After God. And believe it or not, he actually got Andy Stanley to come on his podcast. Um, so that's actually what tipped me off to this. But he he talked with another ex-pastor from a different denomination at one point, and he brought up something that actually, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, it scared me. Um, and it was the idea, basically, that he said, when I was a pastor, when I was an Adventist, I was allowed to ask questions as long as those questions arrived at a predetermined destination, right? Like I could ask any question of faith, I could have any doubt, and anyone could would encourage me to explore those doubts, as long as those doubts put me right back where I started. Sub, you know, except the, except the uh, doubts themselves, right? So sans doubt. And, um, that was, that was a scary point because like I resonated a lot with him when he said that. Um, and I don't necessarily think I'm going to become atheist and I still have the belief that doubt is a good thing overall for your faith, but, um, it was a scary topic. And I think, I think it spoke to, there's an insecurity from the pastoral end. And I think there's an expectation just in general, on, on the knowledge that kind of pastors have. And so the, the question of this episode, you've read it if you've already looked at the show title, but it is, can pastors ask questions? So as we kind of dive into this, Tony, what are your thoughts on everything I just said?
0: Yeah, so it was a really interesting Vice documentary. I liked the fact that it wasn't attacking anyone. Actually, what's interesting, when you, when you watch the actual documentary, the guy who's doing it, you get the sense that he's— he either grew up in a Christian environment or a church environment or he's coming from a church environment because uh, it's not attacking church by any means and those who believe. And it's and it's really not even attacking atheists. So it's not coming from either end. Like it's not focus on the family and it's not, you know, I don't know what the other end of that would be. Um Ah uh, yeah I don't know like I was trying to think of any publication. I'm like, I don't know any uh, uh atheist publications. I guess that's a good thing, um, but it's not coming from either end, you know, like it's not like I guess National Geographic or something where it's like, oh, you know, there is no such thing as religion um so it was really nice to get kind of a balanced view and to just just really explore the subject itself um okay, so that being said, my thoughts on the whole subject as far as asking questions, you know. I, I guess, I don't want to give too much away because we have a whole Patreon um, episode talking about deconstruction of our faith, um, which is awesome uh, if you guys... And
1: will be coming out eventually, even though we recorded it like six months yeah. ago. No, 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 no
0: we're, it's coming out, um, which is why I don't want to give too much away, but um, like it, I asked a lot of questions. I've I've always asked a lot of questions. Um I think the only way you can truly grow is by asking questions. And I think if you have actual faith, faith doesn't shy away from questions. Faith is the... is the Faith, If especially I love from Hebrews, is the certain belief or the hope in something that is unseen. So I can ask all the questions I want as long as at the end of the day, for me... I still can hope in something that I, I don't need necessarily need to get answers for. Does that make sense? I don't need to know exactly how the Trinity works for me to ask questions about the Trinity. I think it's important to ask questions about it. I think it's important to ask about the divinity of Christ, or on a, on a much simpler level. like I, I think it's important to ask, is it okay to eat pork? Um, is it okay to, to drink? Is it okay to do these different things? I think this whole podcast is predicated on the idea that it's okay to ask questions. Um, and God doesn't shy away from that, you know, in, in Isaiah, he says, you know, come now, let us reason together. And, and several different times he's like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's work this out. I'm going to explain who I am, but don't walk away from me. And to me, I think that's the, that to me is why it's so exciting for me when I saw this documentary, because I go, Oh, like, this is the Laodicea, you know what I mean? Like people were in, we talk about the Laodicean state. I'm going to be very Adventist for a second. People talk about the Laodicean church, but we don't really know what that is. The Laodicean church is people who are in between belief. They are culturally believers, but they don't actually believe. And the minute you start asking questions and you walk away from that belief or go cold, God can do something with you. And so to me, I think, if you are truly trying to, to look after God and to, and to chase after him, asking those questions is going to get you one way or the other, because the only thing that is bad is to stay in the mediocre. And I think that, I think the Adventist church in particular excels at keeping people in this kind of mediocre state of, um, I, I think just Christianity, I guess as a whole. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think it's just Adventism uh, yeah. here. Yeah. Um, we we excel at keeping people right at this mediocre state where we're not pushing them to explore their beliefs more, but we're also not, as you know, some liberal churches are you know that's like hey don't even believe don't even worry about it, um, you know similar to the one in Canada in the in the documentary so yeah I think it's important to ask questions because it, it gets you one way or the other to me as long as you're not plateauing because that to me is where the enemy wants you
1: to me I do believe okay. this is supernatural. So then let me ask this, and I think this will change your answer a bit, perhaps, based on something you you said. So yes, pastors can a- ask questions, and, and I think that, I think maybe the question is a poor question. I'm still going to leave it up, though, um, as the episode title uh, after this, but um, it's, I would rather, um, I'd rather ask this then, have we created an environment where it's okay to ask questions?
0: Yeah. Yeah, see that, or... Or to come up with answers that don't match what yes what is or are we okay are we allowed to disagree? Ryan Bell yeah. yeah well my thing is well I you know I take everything Ryan Bell says with a bit of a grain of salt because if you kind of have studied his journey he kind of had already arrived at his answers before he started asking those questions um, but I think one of the things that this one of the things that this documentary really showed for me was that um, Christianity, when it becomes nothing more than a culture and a series of traditions, does not have room for deep-seeking questions. Because the moment these pastors started asking those deep questions, and the young couple in particular, um, there's a young couple there and they, they went on this journey and they just, you know, they felt like, oh, it's it's, you know, this is all fake. And to me, I go, yeah, if it's just culture, if all church is, is a selfish, self-centered thing that where I get what I want out of it, then yeah, there is no room for questions. And, and we need to be really careful as Adventists, because I have a feeling that sometimes in some Adventist churches, theoretically, uh, I won't throw shade, but I have a feeling that sometimes we do create an environment where it really is a purely cultural tradition based. Um, it, it's just about showing up. It's just doing it. And we pretend like it's not, but we're kind of just okay doing church the way we've always done it. And so well, and,
1: and uh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think this is, I think this is the, the one of the major weaknesses of the, of the, um, I want to say really Christian thought throughout Christianity's history, um, which is that at some point throughout history, we shifted from uh, the scope of asking questions to the scope of, um, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but uh, knowledge by authority or the idea that we tell you how it is yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and you cannot default, you you cannot deviate from that. You cannot deviate from whatever we have established as truth. And Um, I love that my voice is cracking. Like I'm going through some like significant puberty. It's great. But this is, this is what we've done. And yes, it largely happened uh, during a time where people did not have access to the scriptures themselves. Right. So they had to have someone else read it to them, say it to them, teach it to them. This is why indulgences were bought, uh, you know, bought into as a belief system until someone else who could understand the scriptures challenged it. Right. This is, this is the idea that uh, you believe what we tell you to believe, and you cannot deviate from it. And if you try and deviate from it, well, that doesn't make any sense because, look, all these people have studied this for, for centuries. How could they possibly be wrong, right? You think you're smarter than them when you've been studying this for six months, when they've been doing this for, for decades on decades on decades of work throughout our church history? Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, I think we have created, I think pastors have done it, I think pastors have done it to ourselves. I think members have done it. I think administrations have done it. Uh, I, I think we have created an environment where, is, where it is not okay to ask questions. Um, and, and I think that's concerning. Like, genuinely, I think that's concerning.
0: Yeah. Um, my thing is this, and and I think that a lot of times, and this is where the Adventist church, I think to a degree, does really well. um. Or, or has historically. I don't know if we're doing so right now, but historically, when something comes up that we're not sure about, we're willing to admit we're wrong. Or we at least theologically and doctrinally have the flexibility to admit we're wrong. And I think that's where a lot of churches don't. I think that's why non-denominational churches, to me, I, th- I think the reason why people leave non-denominational churches a lot of times is because of secondary issues, but not because there's a solid foundation, a solid concrete there. They're willing to admit they're wrong. You know, uh, Mars Hill um, uh, was the what's the one that's right here. Willow Creek. Um,
1: you know, I think even Saddleback I, and a few other I, ones. They, they, I think, I think Willow Creek is probably the best of those examples. Mars Hill is not exactly the best example of a church that apologized no, when they got but it wrong.
0: It's not an example in the positive sense, but it is an example, you know, versus the Catholic church. This is why the Catholic church has struggled so badly with, I don't even blame the Catholic church for what went wrong. Like as an institution, I blame certain individuals for, um, you know, the, the, the scandals and the molesting for years. But I'm like, they're stuck in an environment where they can't be wrong. Like they, from an institutional perspective, cannot be wrong. So it's like they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place of like, I can't admit that this dude's a child molester, he's a priest, and there's a whole theological issue if he's not perfect. Um, But with Mars Hill, they have the flexibility to do it. They didn't, shame on, you know what I mean? Like poo-poo, like that's not good. Um, But then Willow Creek on the positive sense. But it's like we have that similar kind of flexibility you know, in, in the 70s when Desmond Ford was like, hey, you know, our core belief in the 2300 days, this is wrong. I interpret it this way. They got together and they really asked, let's see if this is right. You know, you have the famous one where it kind of sort of happened in 1888. But, it it, it you know, eventually we got that one right as well. And so as a church, historically, at 56, you know, with questions on doctrine, or I think it's 57, whatever, the 50s. Um, so I think we do allow that, but I think that kind of comes from a more institutional level. I think when it comes down to like churches and especially to me, the pastor, that to me, that's where I think it gets, we do get a little bit restricted and we become a little bit sedentary because the pastor can't in a lot of churches be real and authentic he has to lead and it's like well that he shouldn't be leading and and we've talked about this a lot about the the role of the pastor should be changed but the reality is your pastor should be the first person to ask these questions because somebody else is asking them if you think if you think that you're going to arrive to a high spiritual level without asking serious deep questions you don't understand spirituality and how God works.
1: Okay, but okay. So I agree with you that uh, institutionally and historically, Adventism has been good about admitting when we're wrong. In fact, I think our theological framework is set up in a good way that we can dialogue when we're wrong. Overall, I think um, in recent history, in the last probably thirty forty years, uh, we've not been so good at at you know reinvest. Actually, I would say twenty uh, since the. Since the institution of the fundamentals, yeah. I would say we've yeah. been really bad at um at which which surprised people at how recent the fundamentals yeah. were actually um because I don't think people were actually put together. Yeah, I don't think they do one of the that. dudes that wrote them, one of the dudes that helped form them, is still alive. Right? Yeah. No. You're yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like this is this is like super recent. So actually, there's um, more
0: than just one. There's
1: there's a few. Yeah. That there's a yeah. yeah. So, this is like I think we've been bad at it since then, but our framework is set up that way we're non creedal um and and some of this is open to debate and discussion. We voted on women's ordination in some way, shape, or form three different times right we We do uh, we are set up to keep discussing things now, whether we actually admit we're wrong on things, that's a different story. But I think on the local church level, we've done a bad job of providing a framework where a pastor can ask questions now, there is someone who's probably listening to this and thinking. Um, thinking, well, a pastor shouldn't pastor a church if he's not certain of his faith, if he's not certain of his belief or her belief, right? Like you shouldn't get into a job if, if that's not what you want to do. So I want to speak to that for a moment because I think it's a valid criticism. However, I disagree because how in the world do you know in your 20s <laughs> what you will believe in your 50s? Like there's no way around it. it, it, it there could be some un... It, the worst unspeakable tragedies have shaken even the greatest of faiths. So this isn't, this isn't something, this is more about the uncertainty of the future and the uncertainty of our lives than it is about, um, than it is necessarily about being uh, sure that I want to pastor, that I'm called to pastor. That's completely different. In fact, you could probably look at my own childhood and, and think that my calling, like I've wondered this myself, is my calling to be a pastor or my calling to ministry, uh, do I only feel called because so many people told me I was called? So this is, this is something that I've wrestled with personally. And, um, I don't, I, I think I'm, I'm past that. I think my calling is because it's a calling, not just because, uh, not just because people told me I was called, but, uh, this is the framework we've set up that if you are questioning, here's the thing, uh, Adventism has amazing health insurance in fact, I don't think people, I wonder why Adventist pastors don't speak up more, or aren't willing to give up risk their jobs for things. I don't think it's because of the pay. I think it's because of the insurance, <laughs> honestly. But like we have made it, you know, we have major livelihood tied to this as well. In other words, we've made we've made our livelihoods as as pastors. Now I'm a missional pastor, so I don't really count here at this point. But uh, in, it, we've made the livelihoods of pastors dependent on their beliefs. And so there's a hesitance to change those beliefs or investigate those beliefs because they're also the key to a paycheck. And I think this is why uh, we have a lot of pastors inside and outside of Adventism. I think the number would actually surprise us if we could ever find out the truth of pastors who are atheists, pastors who are closet atheists. They've long since lost their belief, but they're still leading a church because they don't have anywhere else to go. They have a degree or degrees that are only built for one thing, they have um, experience that was only built, or they're afraid to start over, whatever. They've got families. They've got, like, I have asthma and I have sleep apnea. You know how much it scares me if the, you know, to to, to get, to go on, like, different health insurance? My meds would go insanely high because our stuff is super well subsidized. Um, it is, um, it's scary, the implications of changing your beliefs. And I would really really love to see us set up some sort of system that allowed for us on an institutional level to support the local church pastors to have their journeys and to still be able to lead churches while they're having their journey. If they end up leaving, fine. Um, But I think pastoring is not a normal job. (laughs) It's just not. And I think it can't be treated like a normal job. That's, I think, where I sit at this exact moment.
0: Yeah. Um I yeah, I mean I just think I do think a lot of times the expectations that are put on pastors come from a non-biblical place first off. And then also it, it's just not what the role is meant to be. It's not what it's supposed to do and it leads to that area. Like a pastor should be the first like he shouldn't be the spiritual head of the church. He should be the person who asks the tough questions. Here's the thing every pastor knows this. If you do a good sermon, a truly good sermon, you are asking questions in that sermon, in your research to do it well. And I'm not talking about the three, you know, one, we all have those Friday night, you know, cramming four hours in because stuff happens. I'm saying it's a perfect week or close to it. You started it on Monday. You got the outline done, you or whatever your process is, but you actually got in and did that research. You're asking questions. Um, my most powerful sermons affected me first, and and spurred me to growth. Um, and I'm not even a you know fire and brimstone kind of guy. I'm normally a more hey we're on this journey, let's get together. But it, you know, here's here's what I'll say. The Christian journey should at its core be transformational. Any transformation requires asking questions. Any any change requires asking questions because the status quo does not motivate for change or depth. Um it motivates towards apathy and and um what is it? Where you, where you don't move? You know, just, just, just the sluggishness. That's not even the word. I'm thinking of a word. I can't think of it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and to me, well, okay. So to me, the role of the pastor, it's it's kind of like I don't know if you've ever seen the show Bonanza. Um, I know I'm doing an old Western reference, but you know, whatever. It's a show called Bonanza, and there are these three brothers on there, and there's an older one, there's a big one, and then there's little Joe. And if you watch the show, nobody's really the leader. The dad's kind of the leader of the group, but every episode they all kind of help each other. But they all have different roles, very set roles as kind of these older, you know, 1960s, 1970s shows have. And so they all have their roles to play. To me, that's kind of the way that a church should run. The way that these brothers, you know, and so Adam, kind of the oldest, he kind of has this where he, he tends to drive the plot more than others um, you know he's the good looking one and and so that to me it's kind of the pastor's role it's up front it's 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 very defined but it's meant to just drive the church forward it's not meant to be the one that everyone looks to for answers it's not meant to be the one that the, the pastor has to come and visit me the pastor has to come to that they've ha- the pastor has special training to help deal with major issues and to ask good questions. So that means that they're probably the one who should be preaching most of the time, if, you, if you're preaching, um, if you have access to one, you know, on a consistent basis. Uh, they're probably the one that should go if there's a major incident, if there's a funeral, if there's a birth, a, a dedication, a baptism, for sure, a baptism, all these kinds of things. That's what the pastor's there for. But he shouldn't, the pastor shouldn't be there um to be the spiritual example. That's Jesus Christ. And to me from for me, I think this is part of, part of the problem with, with Ryan Bell and the issue that I saw with him is I go, well, you weren't asking questions that the institution had a problem with. You stopped believing in the person.
1: To me, that's the issue. Is I mean maybe. You- I I do think even if you track with his journey, I think you're speaking a little bit too directly into what his experience was no
0: no 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 i'm not I'm, I'm saying in that in that kind of shell in in that line of thinking right if you're getting to the point where you're like well i'm asking questions that the the organization isn't cool with you shouldn't be asking questions take the organization out of it in my personal opinion this is what i'm saying you're talking about a person the church and to me i think this is the other thing that we need to start asking questions about which is How do we define a Seventh-day Adventist? Is it someone who goes to church or someone who believes? And to me, if there's anything good to come out of this whole women's ordination controversy, it's that in the North American division, we now need to start asking, well, what does it really mean to be Adventist? And I think it can open up our scope of what we can be as a church, because all of a sudden it's like, well, even if someone doesn't attend an Adventist church, if they hold on to those beliefs, does that make them part of us? But if someone doesn't believe but is still part of the organization part of the the system, does that mean that they're one of us? Oh, yeah, and your
1: name I, being on the books is what saves you, Tony
0: yeah, exactly, <laughs> and so to me, I think that's the question that we need to start asking to me, those are the questions you need to ask like i'm and and I guess it comes from a place to me i don't I'm not afraid about my job or about all these things because to me, I'm like God. It, I truly, honestly believe that God has my back, and he's put me here for a reason. I can fail. He's going to look out for me. Now, granted, I'm single. I don't have kids, so I don't have that burden on me. But I truly do believe, and I would hope that if, if and when that time comes, that I'm still going to hold on to, you know what? I'm, going to, I'm more interested in what God is doing and what he's trying to say to me than about keeping my job.
1: Okay, but see, this is... But you're speaking from a perspective that I'm that I'm not addressing. Because I'm not addressing well, someone who's confident in their faith. I'm correct. addressing someone who's having a crisis of faith. And in that's a crisis of faith, they can't... They, they're not going to... It's likely that that's not the interest that they have.
0: Well, I think also the other thing is that when you have that actual crisis of faith... And that's what I'm saying. Like, I asked those questions when I was a teenager. Like, I asked deep questions. Like I said, I I I kind of walked away. And so, for me... There are no, there is no question that you can ask. There's no question you can ask that's dangerous. If you walk away because you don't believe anymore, or if you're having a crisis of faith, like if you don't believe that it's all true, like if you really don't believe it's all true, then why would you want to stay in an
1: organization that does believe it? Like to me, that does Ask make sense. any of no. the atheist pastors that are not out as atheists. Like, like that.
0: But to me, but to me, that's the whole thing. Is like, well, okay, well, I like the culture, I like the tradition. I go, but the, it, it's not a culture, it's not a tradition. We believe in a person, and so to like, if you want to truly leave, if you want to truly leave the organization, I and or not the organization. Sorry, sorry, sorry. If you want to truly walk away from God. You shouldn't want to stay in an organization that believes that it's there.
1: Sure, if you're I, holding no, look, on, I, if you're holding I agree on, with you. Though I agree you, with you,
0: you are simple. its it—that is an act of fear. But I'm not—not not talking- an act
1: of strength. Okay, but I'm not talking about the person who's already decided that God doesn't exist. I'm talking about the person who's actually questioning it. You had your crisis yeah. of faith when you were a teenager. I had my crisis of faith when I was a teenager, when I had literally a Job experience. I'm talking about the dude who's in his 50s who's been pastoring for three years, or the dudette who's in her 50s and has been pastoring for 30 years, who has a crisis of faith. Right. Do we have the tools, or do we have a an environment where in their church and from the conference side— can they ask those questions honestly without have and in a way that still like, this is my point when I said uh, pastoring isn't a normal job. Like I would love for us, I would love for us to be able to say, look, if you're having a crisis of faith, we'll give you um, not necessarily a sabbatical, but maybe the maybe sabbaticals. Right. But we'll say, look, we'll, you know, take your crisis of faith, ask the questions you need, um, lead your church, because everyone gets involved with doubt anyway, right? No one perfectly believes all the time. So go ahead, do that. And if you land in a position where you can no longer comfortably work here, then we will give you six months of transition where you are you are fully covered and um and you have six months. At the end of six months, we cut it off. And so basically like severance. And you have six months to take care of, uh, take care of transitioning out and otherwise, because here's the thing. If you're in a crisis of faith or if your crisis of faith as a pastor leads you to a position where you no longer want to and you want to leave, uh, if the conference or any one of your church members or anyone catches wind that you are actively looking for other jobs or trying to find a way out, then they'll fire you on the spot anyway. (laughs) Like you'll get kicked out before you get the chance to walk out. And so it is dangerous to have a crisis of faith because it could harm your family. It could harm your literal physical livelihood. So that's the experience that I'm talking to is the crisis of faith. Because I agree with everything that you've said so far, but I just don't. And and I think that you shouldn't get into it if you don't believe it. Sure. Um, I don't think you should stay in it if you don't believe it. Uh, But we do have like, we do have a harsh reality for pastors who are having a crisis of faith or ministry leaders in general.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think we have that. I, To me, it just boils down to what kind of person do you want to be? I mean, yes, there are logistics to that. I am I'm, I'm totally hundred percent behind you that there need to be some logistics to that. Um, And yeah, there are a
1: lot of people that I can absolutely see that. Uh, you see how hard this is now? It's well, difficult I, to speak to as well, well as walk through.
0: It it is to it is in a sense yes it is in a sense to. I I, I yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to be careful. I, I didn't know I, I I, get, I get, get it. it My thing you. is, if you're having a crisis of faith, and I understand this, but it, it, it yes, we want to help you out, but at the same time, how's that fair? Right. Um how's that I fair How's that fair to the actual church itself, the church body, that you get paid, you know, as I, I, I'm thinking of how many people from our graduating class and granted not everyone from our graduating class at Southern was is a good pastor or would make a good pastor, but how many of them didn't get a call because there's just no room? And yeah, I mean, it's tough. It is tough. I understand that. But to me, I, it, it's not fair for you to all of a sudden say, and I understand, okay, well, I don't believe anymore. Okay. That's fine. I get it. I'm glad that you asked those questions. It's good for me, because I do believe, I think God can actually work on you now, but from the other side, like the Ryan bell, I, you know, I think it's awesome. He did what he did, but there are a lot of people who are in tough situations And if you're going to not have the integrity and I understand the fear of, well, I have bills and I have all of this. Yeah. But then now you got to step up because to me, the integrity and, and, and it's a scary situation, but there are a lot of people who are in this situation. There are a lot of people who are in that situation.
1: Well, And this is okay. So let me, let me be specific for a second then, or let me, let me amend something. Cause my suggestion wasn't meant as like an actual proposal. Um, right. and, no, no, and no, no, I think no. I was, I think it was a little unclear because when I say we'll give you six months, don't have something, I mean yeah. six months, like you're not pastoring anymore. We'll give you six months to figure out your life or three months, whatever the, whatever it is, we'll give you this X amount of time. You're no longer pastoring this church period. You were okay, done. Okay. Okay. That's what we that give then. them. We give them transition time where they're no longer actually pastoring a church, but they don't yeah, have I to can, freak out. I could see that.
0: All right. Uh, uh, that's fair. That's yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I I'm trying to like think that. of my thing. Is My thing is, I, you, I, we do need to be better about having those opportunities. We just need to be better about having places where you can ask questions, period. As a church. I agree. We've said that. Um, you know, we do this thing called the Agora out here at Andrews, and uh, I think it's a great concept. I think we need to open that up in more places where we just come together and ask questions. It's yeah. not a debate. Um, it's not an argument. It's just people asking questions and trying to see from both sides. Um, people try to turn it into a debate, and if it was, I would love to be on it because I would mop the floor with some of these guys. But that's girls. the whole point. Is that or it's girls, not, Tony. Or girls, or girls. That's disrespectful! They, How dare
1: you mop the they floor They haven't with had girls.
0: a girl. I mean, they haven't had a girl. So uh,
1: when the they one have a girl, girl I've been to at Southern had a girl. Just so we're clear. Well, not at
0: Andrews. The ones that I saw. Anyway, point <laughs> being, either one, I, you know, I mop the floor with them because it's not meant to be an, an argument, and that's the point. Is that it's meant to be just a discussion. So I think we need to have that too, where we come in, we ask, we look, and we don't say whether it is or it's not. I think asking the question itself is important, but I think also for pastors specifically. Yeah, we do need to ask those questions. Um, We need to make sure that they're not ostracized. And understand, if you're having a crisis of faith right now, I am in no way coming after you. I mean, ask anyone. I'm like, I am so here for you. But I also believe that integrity, to me, integrity has such a huge part of who I am. Mostly because growing up, I had to learn it. Um, Because you do, you, telling the truth more times than not, hurts you in a pragmatic way. And so you have to just learn that integrity, say, all right, this is what I have to do because this is who I want to be. Um, And so you just have to choose. But I think you have, if you decide, man, there really isn't anything, we need to have a place where people can do that. Do we think we should have a transition? Sure, I think that's a good logistical question. I just, to me you look at this like this vice network and and you ask this and i go if you haven't asked those questions before these really really deep questions this should be something that you have done before you ever started to pastor
1: i think um, i think though that life circumstances are that. yeah i think that life circumstances and sometimes emotions can be so intense they make you go back to those questions right like yeah. someone whose kid oh, yeah. dies in a tragic accident or a sibling or a wife, whatever, like we've seen that happen with an Adventist leader, uh, yep. in recent years, uh, a yep. musician, and I won't go any further than that. Um, but it's, um, it's difficult. Like, like th- sometimes tragedy can re can, can make you go back to those questions and think maybe, uh, and rethink them basically and re-ask them. And this is actually, this is why I miss I say I miss, like I ever lived through it. Uh, this is why there's part of me that really kind of wishes we could go back to the, to the Jewish way of thinking or approaching the scriptures, especially, well, for them, the Old Testament and the Torah of, of constantly asking questions. There's this great gag on Family Guy where Stewie's trying to find out what happens when you die, and they go to a Jew, uh, they, go to a, they go to a rabbi, and Stewie's like, so what happens when we die? And the rabbi's like, what do you think happens when we die? And he goes, I'm not, I'm asking you. And he goes, why are you asking me? And he keeps, he keeps asking questions, but the, the, basically the way the, the way that that study is set up is it's intentional around asking questions. Whereas what we do is we give you a study guide where you fill in the answer. Like we don't even let you focus on the question long enough to think about it because we already have the answer printed just below it. And so I, somehow we became a faith that moved from exploration and discovery into uh, answers and certainty. And to some degree, I think that has actually been to our detriment, not wholly, obviously, like I'm not, not wholly, but I think in some ways, and I think the main way is in stifling dialogue and in creating an atmosphere where it is okay to question things. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, even, uh, even in the 70s with, uh, with Ford, like that strengthened our beliefs in the 2300 that strengthened our doctrine and our theology Because at the end of the day. This is why I think doubt is good for faith because on the other side of it, you know who you are a, but B uh, it does actually strengthen your faith when you have those answers. Tim Keller actually put it this way. He said "The I just heard this earlier today, the mark of a uh, true follower of Christ or a true believer is not that they don't have doubts but that the doubts they have in 10 years are a different list of doubts than what they have now.
0: Uh, that's exactly. Yeah. I, I think the other thing we need to do better is getting to a point where it doesn't have to feel like an either or. Um, I think a lot of times, and, and this is the other thing I think we doctrinally or traditionally rather have created a system where it's a bit like a house of cards where all of a sudden, if we don't believe one thing, like it all just falls apart. And you know, I think that's where the creation versus science thing is false, religion versus science thing is false, because a lot of people have been led astray by this idea, like, oh, if science is correct, then all religion, you know, the Bible must not be true. And, And, you know, again, I I went and studied archaeology because I just from a logic standpoint go, well, that's just ridiculous. And I'm not saying the questions are ridiculous or the people that to believe that. I'm saying you should never have been put in a position where you're like, well, if I don't, I, then I'm done. I can't. It's an either or. It's like, no, you can have a crisis. I mean, how many? Look at Daniel. Daniel literally was like, God, I. what's going to happen to our people? Yeah. And God was like, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. And God's like, all right, fine. So here, here, this is what's going to happen. And so, I think I think a lot of people have had that. I I just I agree with you. We need to find a better system. I don't know if we're going to. Um,
1: no, but I think I think individuals can think do something to make better. environments better. We
0: can do better. I think we can do better than we have.
1: I think it's hard for
0: small conferences to do something like that. I think it would be bigger for uh, easier for a bigger conference. I would agree with that. Obviously, yeah. or a non denominational church obviously, because the tithe stays in-house. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that that's something, if you are asking questions, if you just, you know, if you're having that crisis of faith where, shoot, I don't know anymore, don't feel like it's an either-or situation. You know, again, that, to me, to me, again, that's why I go back to Ryan Bell. When I looked at his thing, I, to me, it just, I just got the sense that he had already answered. It wasn't that he had a crisis of faith, it's that, culturally something went down that he did not like with the organization. And so he said, if this organization is wrong about this, what else are they wrong about? And then said, well, they represent God. And obviously I'm, I'm super reduction, you know, that go through actually study. He's been very open about it. He's very, very public about it. Read. Through I have a
1: lot of it. respect for Ryan Bell. And, and to
0: me, to me, it's just, well, he came up with the answers because he was, he was asking questions about an organization. If you're having a crisis of faith, remember the organization, and that's why I said we need to ask, what does it mean to be Adventist? The organization is not God. And that's the thing that I think a lot of times we get religion and spirituality confused. Religion is going to be always a pale reflection, because anytime you involve people, it's going to be a pale reflection of God. Don't give up on God because people get him wrong. Or and her God is both. So don't, don't 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 give up on God because people get God wrong. That's the thing that keep questioning because those doubts might not be permanent.
1: Well, and I would add to that real quick that not just don't don't doubt the institution because people get God wrong, but don't ever assume that you have God right.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's
1: that's the other cool. half of that because that's what we do. You have God wrong, but we we have him right, and that's still an either or. Yeah. That is still and an either or. To, to me, that's idolatry. I mean, every time
0: you go back to that, I'm like, that's what idolatry actually is. People are like, oh, well, an idol is anything you put above God. I'm like, no, that's the first commandment. The second commandment, he's like, don't make a graven image of me. Don't make me into your likeness. I am not your likeness. I am bigger than you. I am I I have shown you a part of me, but don't try to encompass me into what you think I am. I am the I am. I am all of this. And and so I, here's what I will say about asking the questions and for those who are going through. Number one, integrity is about you. It's a tough situation. I fully sympathize with that. I truly do. We need to do better as an organization. But honestly, I we need to do better as individual congregations about not putting that amount of pressure on our pastors. But integrity is something when you're alone in a room. There's a great poem by uh, um, oh my goodness, he's the one who wrote uh, the Jungle Book, and I can't think of him now. Anyway, it's a great poem, and he talks about uh, you know the the what it means to be a man. Basically, if you can sit alone in a room, if you can sit alone in a room by yourself, that's the greatest test of of whether or not you're a a, a fully they used man because it was a patriarchal society, but a fully formed human being. You can sit alone and room yourself and be like, I'm okay. That's that's integrity. So, so be true to yourself, whether that's walking away, whether that's staying in. Be true to yourself because that's all you really have. At the end of the day, it, whether you believe in God or not, to me, we're all going to stand in front of somebody, whether that's the Grim Reaper or God the Father. <laughs> we're standing in front of somebody, and we have to answer for ourselves. And you can't blame your dad, and you can't blame your mom, and you can't blame the church, and you can't blame your boss. You have to answer for yourself why you made those decisions and why you did those things. And that, to me, that's integrity. And and, and I am not fully formed on that. I am continuing to learn. I'm continuing to, to form my integrity. But that's something that I choose to want to be. So that's the first thing yeah. I'd say is, is be true, absolutely true, because you have to answer to somebody at some point. The second thing I would say, if you are going through a crisis of faith right now, this isn't, isn't an either-or. If you're a minister in any congregation, this isn't an either-or. Separate the culture from the truth. One of the things that I looked at at, the, at that, one of the things that I, it, it just amazed me when I looked at that documentary was how self-centered everything was. It was focused on me. It wasn't focused on others. A church should not be something that focuses on self. And if your church is getting to a point where it is only about culture and tradition and solely self-focused and self-leaning, then you should start asking some serious questions. Secondly, so, so, so let go of the culture, right? It's not about Hillsong. It's not about all that. Focus on Christ. If you have serious questions about him, he is a historical figure. He is a real person. Even if you think he's dead and didn't come back, look at his life. To me, stay in it, if nothing else, because this is the best way to live your life. This is the best way to live your life, bar none. Um, I've met with Buddhists and talked to Buddhists before. I've talked to Hindus. I've talked to a variety of different religions. By far and away, the best way to live your life um, is through, in my personal opinion, the Judeo-Christian God, far and away. It is something that is so pure and beautiful. Stay in there. Ask the questions. Don't give up. If you feel like, I can't believe in this for whatever reason, then, then start looking and trying to find a way to be able to continue to help other people as you transition out. Don't try to drag other people with you. I this is one thing I appreciated about everyone in that in that um, in the documentary. The vice, is, oh yeah, the Vice yeah, documentary. They did not go down kicking and screaming. They didn't go out dragging. They weren't trying to hurt other people, and I appreciated that so much because I have met people who have left the church in a very angry state. And and it just it just it created such wounds. Yeah. Um. So that's the other thing I would say. Hey, you know what? If you do have to step away, power to you. Be true to yourself. Please don't don't drag other people kicking and screaming. Um, well, and
1: I I I would echo a lot of that. And I and I think the point of this 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 episode I don't think was targeted, you know, toward pastors necessarily. No. I think my my intent with this episode was to give people kind of a a peek behind the curtain as to some of the questions and the struggles that the pastors, that's our reality. Ministry leaders in general, anyone who has any part of their livelihood tied to the church, this is a reality they face because life is unpredictable. And I don't know where I'm going to be in 20, 30 years. Um, I hope and I believe that I will still be right, not right here, but you know what I mean, Uh, In my faith, I I I believe that I'll be stronger. Literally, right here, thirty years. I will break into this apartment in thirty years if it's still here. No, hopefully, um, better
0: uh, recording equipment. But right there,
1: yeah. Well, I guess. Um, So the second thing that I want to say here is uh, the second thing I want to say here is this. Uh, It's really easy when people talk about uh, crisis of faith in regards to pastors or. Uh, anything like this, to start comparing them to gay people coming out of the closet and fully identifying with them, anything like that. I want to be clear because I have used the term closeted atheist before in this episode. Never once have I intended to or tried or thought I was comparing anything to anyone else's experience. I'm specifically talking within the realm of pastoral experience and and ministry experience. Uh, That's it. So in in, in the realm of faith or
0: just a belief walk. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a faith walk. So,
1: um, the other thing I want to be clear about, I can't speak for Tony here, but I I do want to know that this isn't spurred out of some journey for me to want to ask questions or anything like that. Like I'm not in that place right now. Um, and I don't think I will be, I don't think Tony is, um, Maybe he is, no. maybe he's out. I am um, I mean,
0: I'm always asking questions, but no, I, I, like I said, my crisis of faith was a long time ago.
1: You know, honestly, I I've really been thinking about this lately and I want to sit down and really develop this. I'd actually love to, depending on where I go, you know, where my research takes me on, I'd love to write a book about it, but I've largely been thinking about, um, All of this, you know, disunity in the denomination right now in Adventism or just in in the Christian church in general, all this, uh, all this chaos and and all these polarization sides of whatever, like, I'm kind of just starting to think that that was the intended Christian experience all along Um, (laughs) uh, to some degree. Like, I look at, I look at Acts and, you know, Acts 2 or Acts 4, where it says the believers were held everything in one accord and we're all united uh, all of yeah. one heart, all that. And I'm thinking, yeah, but then you have Ananias and Sapphira who were listed as examples of people that went against that grain, but there were certainly more than them. Um, and outside yeah. of that, you look at the Old Testament where it says uh, they, Israel was ordered to march in and kill every man, woman, and, and child. And then like a chapter later, or you know, a book later, that city's still alive in yeah. some way, shape, or form. So clearly they didn't kill every Man, woman, or, you know, man, woman, and child. In other words, it was hyperbolic language to say that Israel decimated the city or Israel decimated the nation. And in the same way, I see some of the language in Acts, I'm starting to wonder, like, yeah, was this just like as a whole? Yeah, we kind of had it, but there was just like Paul and Barnabas disagreed and went completely separate ways, still believing that the other were going to make positive impacts for the gospel. And I think, uh, I, 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 I think to some extent, there is, I, I, to some extent, I think all this disagreement is just like a natural, I'm not saying like, oh, cool. So we should just stop talking about it. No, I just like, I wonder how much of a bigger deal we're making the disagreement itself yeah. or the fact that we're disagreeing, how much bigger of a deal we're making it than it actually is. um, And, uh, and, and, I mean, and turning I, it into an either or, you either have to be here or here, which yeah. adds to the crisis of faith.
0: Right. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah. Uh, I have not developed those
1: thoughts at all, by the way, just so we're clear. The archaeologist in
0: me wants to be like, it wasn't hyperbolic language. They actually did. Um, But no, yeah, I'm with you that there's a lot. There's a lot of where it wasn't united. It it, it was you look at the early church, even in the just the early Christian church. And it wasn't it wasn't together. I mean, that's why they had the Jerusalem Council. And they're like, we're just going to make it like really simple. Uh, Like, don't do these four things and you're good. Um, And they did. Uh, they did it anyway. That's why you have Corinthians. Like, like one of the things they specifically say is like, hey, don't do sexual immorality. And then Paul over to the Corinthians church, hey, so remember that guy who married his mom? And uh, that's not cool. Like they don't, you know, you always have that. I think that's part of the Christian experience is you have to have some people where you're like, yeah, that's not how Jesus would like. But I think that's that's where I go back to like religion always gets it wrong because people get it wrong because to err is human, you know? To err is human. It, it's a cliche because it's, it's so true. To err or to err? To, to, yes,
1: to err. To err. I've never heard it as err. This is really weird to me. I love that we're at the end of this episode and this is the conversation we're having. I've never heard it as err before in my life. <laughs> Tony, I've known you for like I, eight years and we've never, we've never, <laughs> I, I've never heard you say it. It's err. So I,
0: <laughs> To err is human. Um... um no, okay, but no, I, I, I've... I think, I think the reality is like we're always going to get it wrong, and we are always, we always are going to disagree. Every, everyone has a crisis of faith. I, Moses had it, like, 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 legit. To me, I think this is a great way to look at it. If you're having a crisis of faith, Moses had a crisis of faith. Joshua had a crisis of faith. Every major leader. Sands, I I don't know. May I th- I think Jesus had a bit of a crisis of faith at Garden of Gethsemane. I will say that I'll even go that. Yep, yeah I would agree. He was really like
1: It was like, oh, Lord, if it's your really will, let me out of this. this.
0: Yep. As close as close to a crisis of faith that we understand it, that was as close as he came. He didn't have one the way we have it. Let me define that. Make sure everyone understands that. But as he came close. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he still said, "Like honestly, I'm gonna fall through with what you want, but if there's any way, I want out." Um. But I think when we get to that, it, the reality is like, you have to you have to be able to look at those things and not think it's an either or. There's a place for you. There's always a place for you.
1: Yeah. I just
0: think that we 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 have to do better, at making sure that we create an environment where people can ask those questions and the expectations not put on them to not. I would agree. You can have a crisis of faith and still lead because they did like, don't walk away. If you don't now, and this is what I will say. If you don't believe anymore, don't stay in there. Right? Like if you're having a crisis of faith, I don't want to say, start looking at, you know, your options, but understand like, okay, this, this is what I got to do. As a woman or as a man, but at the same time, as if you have a faith, even if you walk away and you say I don't believe there's, there's still a spot for you. I just think you shouldn't. I would not. I would not personally be. i be able to take money and live with myself. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, I just would not be able to do it. And no, I understand. But that's me. But yeah. that's and that's a millennial thing, by the way. I will totally admit that's a millennial thing. Authenticity. Oh, I felt. And, I felt that's in a my last- so millennial thing.
1: When I was pastoring there were there were there was a lot of time where I wasn't doing a whole lot and I was and I felt guilty because I wasn't even doing a lot and I was receiving a full-time paycheck. Um I felt guilty. Like I 100% agree it's a millennial thing because the two of us millennials anecdotally have experienced it. We're not projecting single. We are projecting We our represent everyone. We, us we two are mates, millennial. Are uh, us it. two cis hetero males uh, white males are are projecting our experience onto all of millennials. So I've experienced
0: all of your pain.
1: Welcome. so, um, but with that, um, I think this is a good place to end. Honestly, um, I think we better end before we start getting into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Hey, I'll say this. I know a lot of pastors listen to this. So shout out to you guys. Uh, if any of you want to come on and have a part two to this conversation and share some thoughts or maybe things we hadn't considered, or disagree. I'd love to have you on, you know, me, reach out to me. Um, yeah. If you disagree, you're just wrong. Um, I have a website for you if you disagree. So just let me know. Um, but as usual, Hey guys, our contact information is down in the show notes. So you can find it. If you want to reach out to us, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any podcatching app that you want to use, um, Spotify as well. And, uh, if you do want to donate and support us, patreon.com slash absurdity podcast and, uh, donations when you sign up, uh, the next charge doesn't happen until the first of the month. So you can sign up at any day in the month. You will not be charged until the next month. So don't worry about that. Unless you sign um, up on the
0: last day of the month.
1: Yeah, then it'll go, you know, or the first day of the month, it'll still charge that same day. Yeah. So um, just know that. But thank you guys so much for listening. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm really excited for What's Around the Corner for Absurdity for uh, all the different things that are happening this year. We've got some big things coming for you. So, um, in fact, you may want to take a peek at the website because there's been some changes uh, recently. So, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.